This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Bonus episode time. NBA Morning Deuce. I'm Joey. That's Alex. And this is going to be the hardest episode of the NBA Morning Deuce that Alex Royne has ever done in the entire week we've been doing this podcast. Alex, let me set the table here. Um, Your boys, the Philadelphia 76ers, they lost on Sunday. They got swept by the Celtics. It never really looked particularly close in any game. Um, And now there's a lot of questions to be answered in Philly. Uh, So we decided, let's do our first bonus deuce. And uh, really dive into the Sixers a little bit because there's not enough. T- there was not enough time on a regular deuce to really unpack what's going on there. Um, and look, I'll say this: look, the Nets are out too, and they got swept. But we're not going to do something like that for the Nets because we know where their future is, right? That KD and Kyrie come back next year, and then we see what happens. But Sixers, and you, I've got goosebumps. You look not in in the worst possible way. Yeah, like, let me let, let's just, just start from emotion. Yeah, let's just start there. Give me your your initial just we're headed into the off season. The Sixers just got swept. Where, where are you at? So, I mean, we all know about the process. And to me, the process started with the Andrew Bynum trade that completely blew up in their face. Andrew Bynum never played a game for the Sixers. And the grand experiment starts with Sam Hinkie. And this feels like uh the final chapter feels like the book just closed because I don't, I don't see Brett Brown surviving this. Um, and the, the roster's fucked. <laughs> that's pretty much that's the roster is it's a log jam in terms of salary cap and players that can't play together. And I've been a homer this entire time. I've defended Brett Brown. I've defended Joel Embiid. Uh, it's uh, the book is closed, I think, after that sweep, and it's brutal. It's really tough. Yeah. Um, so here, let me read a couple quotes from post game from Joel Embiid and from Josh Richardson. Um, so they asked Joel Embiid about his future in Philly, and he said, "I don't, I don't make decisions. I'm here in Philly. Whatever happens, happens. I've always said that I want to end my career, and if it happens, good. If it doesn't happen, well, you move on, and all that stuff. Um, in terms of the team." He said, I feel like I just feel like a couple years ago when we made the playoffs for the first time, we had a bunch of great players that were drafted here or either formed in Philly, and we had a bunch of guys especially that were in a great situation. And then we, as you know, we, just, we decided to trade a lot of it with picks and stuff for Jimmy Butler and Tobias Harris and got a g- bunch of great players. Like I said, it just didn't happen. We could never find a rhythm this year. It's disappointing. A lot of regrets. 
I felt like the focus was just not always there and we got to do better and we just got to look at ourselves in the mirror and just do better. And then both of them, he was asked if Brett Brown should be back. His answer was, I'm not the GM, not a ringing endorsement. And then this one, this is rough. Josh Richardson was asked about Brett Brown. He said, he's a good guy. He's a good man. He means well. I just think going forward, he's got to have some accountability, some more accountability. I don't think there was much accountability this season, and that was part of our problem. Um, so look, this is going to, this is going to come out Monday sometime in the more late morning. So who know Brett Brown, I'm going to go into the assumption that Brett Brown is getting fired by Philly at some point, maybe even already. Um, and it's deserved. And I hate talking about, I hate talking about people losing their job like that. Cause it's just, it sucks. But 391, 39, 391 win percentage, below 500 in the playoffs. But more so than that, watching them in these playoffs, he, he didn't, he never adjusted. He never adjusted. Um, and they got to get it. If, if Joel Embiid is, the guy to build this to continue to try to build this team around they got to get a coach in there that changes his mindset um because i saw another quote from joel Embiid that was similar to like if we bring back this same roster next year i have to space the floor and that's a direct shot at ben simmons I, i i sure but i i i think that's coaching too if your coach doesn't tell you that you need to space the floor and that you need to be in the post and dominate people, uh, this is just total speculation. But like the epitome of the Sixers offense since I've been watching them happened in game four. They get a rebound off a missed shot. They come down. They don't run any offense and just dump it into Embiid with Daniel Tice on him. And he just dominates him and gets a layup. Then they come down next time off a made shot in a half-court offense, and they run a pin down in the middle of the paint for Embiid to get to the elbow, and he shoots a mid-range jumper and misses. Why? Why are we running plays for Joel Embiid to take mid-range jumpers or to even have the ball at the elbow? He's not a good shooter. I don't care what anyone says. He's just not a good shooter, and he does need to be spacing the floor. I get that the way the league is now, bigs play on the perimeter and all that. I put this on Brett Brown just as much as Embiid in the sense that get, dominate. Let he needs to dominate where he's supposed to dominate. So if that means fifty percent of the time you're just coming down and dumping it down to him, do it because that's where he kills. He doesn't kill you with three point shooting. He doesn't kill you being the guy that you run the offense through on the elbow. It, it he he's he's a dominant big man when he is put in the right position. Um, and I think Brett Brown, as long as I've watched Brett Brown coach Joel Embiid, he's done a terrible job of putting Embiid in position to be a dominant big man. And for that reason alone, I would, I would, they need a coach who's going to change, who at least will attempt to change Joel Embiid's mentality. Now that's, uh, assuming Joel Embiid's back. That's the other thing. Sure. This ro- like, I mean, I, Yeah. I mean, and again, I am the biggest defender of Brett Brown and Joel Embiid. Um, I can't defend anything you just said because it's accurate. 
Um, my biggest defense of Brett Brown. You mean you can't argue? I can't argue. I can't defend Brett Brown against right. what you just said. Yeah, yeah. If I were going to start somewhere, it would be the basically just rotating door that this roster has been the past three, four years. There's no continuity. Like, yeah, yep. Totally. It's just like all the pieces that are get all the the players that play big minutes are constantly out the door, and they're like, man, that's the other thing. It's there's no one thing you can pin it on. So, uh, so many key things have gone wrong during the process. Um, and they all kind of link to each other. So let, let me start with the, the Jimmy Butler trade is a great example. You can't make that trade without being like 99% sure that Jimmy Butler is going to sign a long-term deal with you. Mm-hmm. So yeah, you normally those when assets, they, normally when you make, it, normally when you make those kind of deals, you make it with an extension. Exactly. Like you make exactly. the deal knowing that they're going to sign the extension and stay. And they made the deal. The extension never happened. And everyone's like, ah, oh, you know, they'll figure it out in the offseason. Um, it's going to be fine. Um, and I bought into it. I was like, sure, yeah, they'll figure this out in the offseason. Of course, no, it doesn't happen. They do a sign and trade that lands them Josh Richardson. Josh Richardson's a, a good player, really good player. But basketball, at the end of the day, basketball is a team sport. And when you play together for, 50, 100, 200 games, that's when championship teams are forged. That's what was so unbelievable about what Kawhi Leonard did, was he stepped in there and they won the championship with the Raptors in the first season. Basketball is about playing together, and this team has moving parts all over the place. They never dedicated themselves to a core, besides Simmons and Embiid. But those those players that they're handing out max contracts to, they keep heading out the door, and, and it's just it's, it's a shit show. The roster has been a shit show. And a lot of that's on Elton Brand. Yeah, and he's a guy that. Well, look if you go if you if you go to if you go on Twitter right now since this this entire series and especially since they lost, Brett Brown's getting fired, Elton Brand's getting fired, Joel Embiid's getting traded, Ben Simmons is getting traded. Um, like I mean, this is what there's any combination of things that people think could happen. Yeah, Elton Brand. I mean, look at this: J.J. Redick, Markel Fultz, Robert Covington, Dario Sarge, Jimmy Butler. Landry Shamit, Boban. I mean, the guys who have been on this roster. Um, the one thing I like about Elton Brand is he's not afraid to pull the trigger because a lot of GMs are. What I don't like is I don't know if he knows what the right trigger to pull is. Um, the moves, the roster construction hasn't made sense. And Al Horford is the perfect example. Um he doesn't. He never. No, I don't know where they ever, where he ever thought that he would fit with Joel Embiid, but it was a disaster of a of a move. Um, and I still think Al Horford has something left in the tank. I just think it's such a bad fit that he just he looked awful with this team. I don't think Elton Brand goes anywhere. I, people are saying there's a chance. I just he's only been the GM for two years. Right. And can I, I can I jump in because I, yeah. I I'm going to speculate here, but I think it's dead on. Um, and I, we're going to take a look at this from Sixers ownership, who suck by the way. But ownership commits to Sam Hinkie's grand experiment, where they're building a roster that can't compete for three to four years. Adam Silver essentially pushes him out the door. Fine, I get it. You know, we can't have a team that's losing seventy games. They bring in Colangelo. That's a complete and utter shit show, right? Yeah. So ownership is sitting there with kind of a joke on their hands Mm -hmm. and they want to win now 
like they want to win yesterday. And Elton Brand is this guy who comes in and says, look, I, I like I'm ready to do that right now. Whereas another GM is probably looking at this roster like we've got two really young building blocks. Um, maybe let's take our time with, you know, like like the Jimmy Butler trade and the Tobias Harris trade in the same season was madness. And it looked really good, but it didn't lead to any continuity on the floor. So I, I, I don't know. Well, defending Elton Brand well, in the sense that he had to make moves now because of ownership. They wanted to win right now. But aren't they? Weren't they a miracle shot from Kawhi away from going to the Western Conference Finals? I mean, Eastern yeah, Conference it Finals worked. last year. It almost worked. Yeah. So to say that there was no continuity on the floor with that team, um, it was less than eighty games worth of continuity. Sure, but I mean, I think. Elton Brand put together a team last year that was about as good a shot as you're going to get at... I mean, they just ran up in, against a buzzsaw. The Kawhi... Yeah. Who, who could have known? It did almost work, yeah. Um, but, but the Horford thing was But disaster. then the way it all blew up this year is terrible. So I, I'm not giving up on Elton Brand because I look at GMs that... I mean, like I said... And let me... My, I'll comment on the process, and I think I've, I said this to you back in the day too, when when we would talk about the process. The shit doesn't work, okay? Like these these absurd multiple. Like first of all, what they did was unheard of in sports. No one goes that long to like commits to being bad for that long to try to rebuild their team. Um, but like building a winning culture is about competing, and to lose for that long it becomes ingrained in that culture. I don't care what anyone says. Look, I was part of a I was part of a process before the process when I was in Charlotte. We I got to Char- my first year with the Hornets. Larry Brown was the coach. They had just come off of playoffs. That year, we were a borderline playoff team. Larry got fired. They brought in Rich Cho and they got rid of everyone. Every single player. I mean, they got rid of everybody, right? They gutted the roster because they, they their thought process was, well, this is about as good as we're going to be. And they're probably right with that team. But instead of keeping some players that could give you some semblance of competitiveness, that could teach players to play the right way, um, that could not only rebuild your talent, but rebuild your culture, we won seven games the next year. Seven games. And then Paul Silas got fired. And then we and then we won the next year we won twenty games. And it was all in an effort to get Anthony Davis. And we ended up with Michael Kidd Gilchrist. <laughs> oh man. And I'm just saying, and then Steve Clifford comes in. We bring in Al Jefferson and and some vets, and we make the playoffs. And then they gut the team again. And then Steve Clifford ends up getting fired too. My point is the thought of rebuilding around young guys, like in a place like Philly where, like, let's face it, like big-name free agents are not just going there. So building around your, your core draft picks is right. But losing consistently for that long and not putting any veterans around them to teach them how to win and, and play the right way in the NBA was the fatal mistake, I think, for this team because – Early on, they said, we're going to call this thing the process, and this is Joel Embiid's team. And Joel Embiid thinks he knows how to win in this league. 
and he has no clue how to win in this league, and he never has. And he's been, and it's shown. He's we he he I I mean, end of games, I see a weak-minded player, and because I and because I've said this to you a thousand times too. He has the talent to be Shaq level dominant in the post, but when when my coach is not calling plays to get me post-ups where I know I'm going to dominate guys, Shaq is just going in the post and demanding the ball. Joel Embiid doesn't do it. He wants to be out on the perimeter taking jumpers. He wants to be at the elbow. He wants to try to finesse guys. That's, that's ingrained in the culture because they told him he, that he's that guy, and they let him be that guy, and that started with the process. These rebuilds, you don't rebuild a team without being competitive. And I, and I don't mean winning games. I just mean being competitive. And for a long time, they weren't even competitive. In game. Like, they, they were just horrible. Um, so I just, it never struck me as something. So eventually, you got to bring in guys who have succeeded at least on some level. You know, like, how long can you just say, we have Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid, and we got to build around them and develop guys around them. That also don't know how to win, that don't know how to play in the NBA and don't know how to win. Because coaching can only take you so far. You need other players who have done it. So now they, going and getting Jimmy Butler and going and getting Tobias Harris and JJ Redick, for example, guys who've been to the playoffs and have had some level of success was the right move. But is the inability to keep them together. Losing JJ Redick crushed them. And I think losing I mean, I don't know that Jimmy necessarily fit. But if you would have kept that roster together right now in the East, the East is so up in the air right now, they're not getting swept by the Celtics, and they probably could beat the Celtics. And as good as the Celtics are right now, a starting lineup with Ben Simmons' injury notwithstanding, right, if he's healthy, but of Ben Simmons, J.J. Redick, Jimmy Butler, Tobias Harris, and Joel Embiid, I think could beat the Celtics in a seven-game series. But it, that, that points right back to the Jimmy Butler trade where they didn't have their eyes dotted and their T's crossed with the extension. They, they rolled the dice and got burned. Um, now, look, I, I was a processor. I was in that little bullshit cult for a while. Um, I love Sam Hinkie. I think he's brilliant. Um, I'm not necessarily ready to say, you know, they, they embraced losing. Like, they, they had Jason Richardson around. They had the Elton brand played on the team. Like they, they what you're saying, I think they would not necessarily disagree with, you know, it's like they realize they need to have veterans in there to me, but they didn't look like, like they were trying to win ever. And, and well, you don't like, like, I guess my point is like just losing as many games as possible to get draft picks doesn't make you a better team. Well, and here's my or better reaction franchise. to that. And it's not necessarily disagreeing. It's just that, if that's going to be the philosophy, losing to get draft picks, you have to draft way better. Okay, they take Jaleel Okafor ahead of Chris Tapps Porzingis. Okay, sure, the draft. Yeah, like they take Markel Fultz instead of Jason Tatum. I'm pretty sure they take Michael Carter Williams when Giannis is sitting right there. Like, like, and again, nobody's. I'm not saying oh, you should have pegged Giannis as a superstar or you should have pegged Jason Tatum as way better. But those are three 
high picks that like they're not even NBA talent really. Michael or um Michael Carter Williams is NBA talent. Um, but, but, but that's like, why building through the draft, just saying we're going to build through the draft, is not a thing. Like, that doesn't exist. There, listen, If you're great at scouting, it no, is. No, it's not a thing. It doesn't exist. It happened once. The Spurs. They hit on three Hall of Famers and built a, a dynasty around it. Okay? But what it just doesn't... the does... Warriors? I mean... Yep. The Warriors won one title. They did. And then Kevin Durant went there the second best player on the planet at the time, and they won two more. Look, most teams, the majority of teams, there's there's three aspects to winning, to building a championship roster. There's drafting, right? But there's free agency and trades. Yeah, And right. the majority okay. the, ma- the majority of teams don't hit on all their draft picks. They just don't. But they also don't intentionally lose to try to keep getting draft picks. They make an effort to go get players in free agency, and they make an effort to make trades to build their roster. Um, and I mean, Golden State hit on three incredible draft picks, but they also got a good, went and got Iguodala. They got they went and got Steve Kerr. Well, yeah, Steve Kerr. I mean, I'm I'm with you. They yeah. they went and got guys that fit that team. Whereas for like four years, the Sixers were pretty much just playing the guys that they drafted, and first and second round picks, like they were just playing and undrafted free agents. Like Robert Covington was undrafted, right? Uh, they got him from the Rockets D League affiliate, so or I believe whatever. he was yeah. undrafted. Yeah, but I'm just saying, like they were playing, they were they were intentionally playing guys that they were, and and look, their philosophy was we're going to develop these guys into good players. That's fine. But it doesn't. It's never been proven to work to have an entire uh, a, a roster that's eighty percent draft picks and G leaguers and free agent and, and undrafted free agents that you bring in and just develop. You have to be able to make. You have to sign free agents and you have to make deals. And that's why Elton Brand, to me, I, I respect that he went out and said, "You know what? That wasn't my process." I'm gonna pull. I gotta pull. I gotta pull the trigger on some deals and try to make some things happen. He totally messed up this year. But yeah, I don't think. Yeah. But but to that end, I'm not counting out the fact that he could t- turn it around. Anything's possible with deals in the NBA. I mean, you can make things happen. It's gonna be really tough with this team with the contracts. Um, but I mean, I, what, I think, are you gonna like I? I I have no idea how you get this Al Horford contract okay. off the team. I actually I went to the trade machine, so I wanted to run these by you and see what you thought. Because can you do like a, can you like offer up a hand job on that on that machine? Like how are you going to get Horford off this team? Okay, just listen. Hold on. Well, first of all, before we do that, there's been so I think personally, I would hire another coach and give him a year to see what he can do with Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid together. Just try it. Don't, I wouldn't just trade them just to move it that way right away. I think they can still be successful together with the right pieces around them, but they need the right coach. I would give a coach an opportunity to coach those two guys together. But that being said, as a Sixers guy, if one of them has to go, who would you pick? You're saying between Embiid and Simmons? Yeah. Simmons has to go. And look, 
I don't want this to be a I'm right and everyone else is wrong type of thing. It's really not an argument. It's my stance. And sure. I feel strongly about it, gotten heated about it. Uh, but I, I don't want that to be the tone of this discussion. This is just where I stand on Ben Simmons. Um, when he entered the league, it was clear. His weakness is he can't shoot. He can't shoot the ball. Um, and he is A++ at, you know, passing, ball handling, getting to the rim, all these things. He's, he's ridiculously talented. The size, the athleticism. But the glaring weakness is the shooting. And in 2017, he takes 48 shots from over 15 feet away from the basket. Okay, young player. Um, he's got a weakness, trying to work through it. Next year, he takes 26 shots from outside the paint. Third year in the league, he takes 10 shots from over 15 feet on the season. Okay, his coach goes to the media in December and says, I want to see at a minimum one three-pointer a game from Ben Simmons. I do think people are harping too much on the three-point aspect necessarily, but defenses know he's not shooting outside of 15 feet. It makes the Sixers so easy to defend. Um, but beyond that, it's just like, I want a guy, he's the first pick in the NBA, he gets his max contract. I don't want him to be satisfied. I want him to recognize his flaw, which so many players have done over the years. So many players, they know what they're great at and they know their bottom and they try to raise that up. Ben Simmons has like regressed from over 15 feet. He won't do it. He will not play in an NBA offense. Um, and that's not a guy I'm going to hitch my wagon to. And right now I'm furious at Embiid. I'm not going to, I can't really defend because he has this stamina issue that's completely ridiculous, but I'm more comfortable with Embiid changing his, his physical ways in terms of stamina than I am with Ben Simmons, just for some reason, refusing to play in an NBA offense that helps stretch the defense. So that's where I stand. And I'm open to all criticisms of that. It's just, I, I, it's clear how an NBA offense needs to be run in 2020, and Ben Simmons will not do it. Well, so that's where I disagree. Um, I don't think... So if, if you have Joel Embiid, he's going to be one of your... He's either going to be your franchise player or one of your top two guys, right? Just based on the money he plays and his reputation and all that. In recent history, there is, and and by recent history, I mean 10 years, 15 years, I don't know. There's no proven blueprint in the NBA, especially the way the game is now, that a, that you can build around a player like Joel Embiid and win a championship. It just, it, it doesn't, it's not out there. There's a lot of really good big men but it's not a big man's league anymore. And particularly a big man who's not a good shooter um, and is has limited ball skills uh, and refuses to dominate, but that's a, a whole other story. Ben Simmons, I totally agree with you. The shooting is obviously huge. And the fact that it just hasn't gotten better is mind-blowing. Um, even a little bit better, or that he hasn't even been willing to like shoot the ball is crazy. That that's the issue. Your last statement is the is the issue in my mind. But 
he doesn't fit with Joel Embiid. And which is crazy because I just said I would give a coach a chance to coach them. Um, but first of all, we've seen teams win championships with point guards who can't shoot. The Celtics come to mind with Rondo. Um, I, I sorry, I got to interject. It's not can't shoot. It's they won't shoot. It doesn't Rondo matter. Was, You're saying Rondo won't shoot, but to... yeah, but your argument was that teams don't have to guard him because he because he can't or won't shoot. Teams didn't guard Rondo. Rondo hit some big shots in those games. Like he it's did. fine, but okay. So, but where I'm headed with this is, let's say he, he won't shoot. There's still a blueprint to winning with a guy who is an incredible passer, incredible in transition, gets the rim whenever he wants, is surrounding him, and also a top five probably wing defender in the NBA when he's healthy. Ben Simmons, and you surround him with four shooters, like what they do with LeBron on every LeBron team, like what they do with Giannis. Look at Giannis. Yes, Giannis has developed a three-point shot, and Giannis is a different player. But also, there's not a player on the Bucks roster who can't shoot. And at all times when Giannis is on the floor, he's on the floor with four guys who can shoot. And that's a team that a lot of people think are going to win a championship. Now, Ben Simmons is not Giannis. But he's got the skill to be pretty close to, to that type of player. Um. If you surrounded him with four guys who could shoot at all times, spread the floor, play a five-out type of system where he where there's no one clogging the paint and he can penetrate and do whatever he wants, not only is his confidence going to go up, I think he's going to have opportunities where he's going to shoot the ball eventually. I just don't think he likes playing this offense. I don't like think he likes the way this team is. I just don't think he thinks it's his team. Um but I wouldn't give up a guy who has all those things and in a league where wing players are the dominant position, wing players win championships, he can guard just about any wing in the league. And you're going to need that. And it was, I mean, shit. I mean, it was clear in this when he went out. Their defense went to dog shit. Um, that's a big deal. Uh, so to me, it's, 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 if, if, if they're going to move somebody, I don't know if they will, it's Joel Embiid to me. Um, he'd be tough to move because you want so much for him, but that's where I would go. I, if you're going to move one of them, I would try to move Embiid because you could probably also get a lot for him. Maybe. I don't know. I feel like with Simmons, his his value to the Warriors is so, like that situation is so unique. They have two of the greatest shooters of all time on that roster. They have the exact scheme or, or roster in place that you just described as something that would work with Simmons. So like to me, making that like what would you do if you're the Sixers? Would you trade Simmons for that second overall pick and another first? Like what? what no. How would that Warriors trade work for you? To get war- to to send Ben Simmons to the Warriors, yes, there's room. There's rumors out there that the the Warriors are going to make a run for him. Uh, I'd probably want Wiggins back. Um, I don't know. I just 
without we were talking the other day about without getting too deep into this year's draft i just don't think there's anyone as good as ben simmons right um i just remember we were talking about the warriors like they've got big money and players that the window's closing like and that trading that number two pick makes a lot of sense sure but i just don't think ben simmons is the one i just don't he's a bum (laughs) he's not a bum i just um yeah i don't know I haven't really looked into the Simmons thing much, mainly because I don't think I would trade him, but I don't know. Maybe they do. I have looked into the... I haven't really looked... I, I sort of looked at what teams would Embiid would fit. I just don't think they're... I, I think Embiid's not going... I, it, I think if anyone does get traded realistically, it would probably be Ben between the two of them. I don't think Embiid's going anywhere. Um, But like, look at their roster, right? So just in terms of... Their top four, those guys, Tobias has four years, about 147 million remaining. Joel has three years, about 95 remaining. Ben, his extension kicks in next year, this upcoming year. So he has four years, 137 approximately. And then Horford's got three years, 81 about remaining. There's not a lot of wiggle room. No. You got those four. You got Josh Richardson, Mike Scott. Zaire Smith, Thibel, Cork, Maz, and Shake. Um, yeah, and then everybody else on the roster is free agent. Pell, Norvell Pell is a restricted free agent. I looked, so you, you get, you're not going to be able to move Tobias Harris. It's just not going to happen. He's making $34 million next year. I don't think anyone's taking him. He's overpaid, right? That's the other, I don't think a lot of people are split. Oh, Philly in general is down on Tobias Harris. He's certainly overpaid. Yeah, um, he's but he's good, not. He's a really good player. He's just the contract. Yeah, they but, overpaid. but he's not they going. Overpaid. He's just not. He's not going anywhere. I know. Uh, but as far as Al Horford goes, and obviously these are all just look. This is trade machine and speculation, and whatever. If you want to move, if if to move Al Horford, you're going to have to give up a pick. Yeah, and we don't have any good ones. I mean, you have your 2021 first round pick. Um, or the, or they have a first round pick this year. Um, there was two teams that I looked sort of looked at that I could even make a trade that I thought made sense. The first one was the Knicks. Um, They're dumb enough to do it. Well, they got a new front office, so you don't know. But and it was uh, it was Horford in a first rounder for Julius Randle, Alfred Payton, and Reggie Bullock. I'll do that in a second. Who are all in, who are all on two year deals? Maybe the Knicks. Who knows with their front office? Maybe they don't love Julius Randle. They get a first round pick to to rebuild for the future, and they get a vet who I still think can play. And they supposedly think, from the rumors, is that their front office believes that they can go out and get a big name guy, a big name player to come play in New York. You know, I don't think a big name player is coming to play with the roster that they currently have, but I think some guys would still play without Horford. He's well respected and he's still a pretty good player. And you only have him really for three more years, so it, it, it's a shitty contract. But three, it's only three years, so I could see that maybe. You're not saying no to that, right? I just don't see the Knicks doing that. But yeah, but they get a pick. Uh, as, as Sixers, look, yeah, I'm look, doing that. Here's in a the thing, yeah. but here's the thing: if you're the sick, if you're the Knicks, if you're a new front office. Alfred Payton's not a core future guy. Reggie Bullock's not a core future guy. And Julius Randle, 
I don't know. What do you feel about him? You have to make a decision because he's good enough that he's probably going to make decent money when his deal is up. And I think he has a player option. So after, not next year, but the year after. So the, the way I'm looking at it, and I'm not totally against you in that Al Horford might still be able to play, but I, if I'm trying to rebuild a roster, I don't want 36 year old Al Horford taking up 26 and a half million uh, three years from now. Like, especially if I'm a young team rebuilding, I just, there's no way I take on that contract. Yeah. But they're going to have some space because they, they, they have a bunch of other contracts coming up. There's no real free agents this year. So unless they're making a deal to bring someone in, they'll have enough money to go after Giannis if that's the guy they're targeting. Um, and then if they get Giannis, they would only have Horford for another year in Giannis's first year. I mean, and then his contract after that second year that they have him becomes an expiring deal that they can move again. So really, you only, you're trading Horford for two years with the assumption that you're going to move his expiring deal in two years. So okay. well, from the Sixers standpoint, yeah, I'm doing that. Um, and then the other one was that the only other one was with, was basically Horford for Harrison Barnes straight up. He's, Sacramento, right? Yeah. And then I guess they got to throw in another one of the, they have a bunch of bigs. I would, I would throw in just to like, so that they're not taking on more money than they're giving away. Cause Harrison only makes 24 next year. Throw in like, or Rashawn, Rashawn Holmes, Holmes. somebody like, <laughs> bring Rashawn Holmes back. I love that guy. He was really good for them when he was healthy. I don't know that they want to get rid of him, but some, I know he plays hard. He plays um, really hard. But may, I mean, I mean, they might even do that for Horford in a second round pick because Barnes has been dis, Barnes was their fourth leading scorer. He was he was fine for them, but he wasn't great. Um, right, how about <laughs> and then they get a leader, and then they get another. They again, that's another young team that hasn't made the playoffs that doesn't have a bunch that doesn't have any real veteran leadership and really their focus should be on figuring out how they're going to keep buddy healed and bogdan bogdanovich because those two guys are both really good so maybe that's how? a deal sorry here's a hypothetical because there is some unrest with buddy healed there's some rumors there mm-hmm. would B- buddy healed and harrison barnes for horford and simmons does that money work let me do it so you're Buddy Heald and Harrison. I wouldn't. I, I don't know if I would do that if I was the Sixers. I, <laughs> you get you get rid of this Albatross Horford contract and you upgrade your shooting in the backcourt exponentially. Yeah, Horford. That, that's I mean, obviously if you're committing to Embiid as the guy. Hmm. No, it's not even close. Well, when does Buddy Heald's extension kick in? Because in Trade Machine, it doesn't work because right now they have, well. Yeah, he's on the last year. Yeah, it kicks in next year. Same with Simmons. Yeah, they, the, so you'd have to do it in the next league year, right? Yeah, I mean, it would be close. You'd probably have to throw in some other pieces. I might do that if, if I'm the Sixers. I still like Simmons, but I might do that because then you're putting – you got to go get a point guard who can shoot, but then you're putting um, Buddy Heald, Harrison Barnes, and Tobias Harris with Joel Embiid and a, and a point guard who can shoot. That's a pretty good team. Yeah, I like Buddy Heald a lot. And I just think Sacramento just doesn't – I mean, they've just been toiling. They've been making so many strange decisions. But then, like, I mean, what do you – but they have De'Aaron Fox. Like, I don't think they would – I don't think <laughs> – yeah, you know what I mean? Point. Yeah. 
Um, I'm dreaming right now. But yeah, unless you're just straight up telling Ben Simmons like, "Hey, you're a four now," and you're going to be a post player. God, you know? I would just love if they jettisoned him to Sacramento. Yeah. That would be so perfect. Yeah. Well, look, we could talk about their roster and do hypotheticals forever, but shit, Brett Brown might be fired by the time we get done recording this. Yep. Um, it's going to be interesting to see what happens. Uh, it's a mess, but here's something for you. I know if if Brett Brown goes, who are your top? Two, I don't three even guys. Know. It's just know? I don't know. I haven't really had a chance to really dig in on who like the. I would go get a young guy. Like a, I wouldn't go. Actually, I don't know. Maybe like a, maybe like a, maybe a Ty Lue type wouldn't be bad for them. I don't know. Someone who's one in, and coach veteran guys and yeah. Maybe he's right. He's on the younger side, right? How old is yeah. Ty Lue? Like forty yeah. something. Maybe somebody like that. Um, but I don't know. I haven't really dug into it nearly enough. I mean. If I could get one of the Van Gundys to come out of broadcasting, I'd Ooh, do that. I like that a lot, yeah. Um, I also got to see who else gets fired. Like, if Michael Malone gets fired after the way the Nuggets are playing, which I don't think that's even a thought right now, but who knows? He's a really good coach. I'd be interested in that. Um, but I don't know. We got to see how the rest of the offseason shakes out. So, we'll see. But they they're... Their salary is a mess, but they still got those two pieces, man. Simmons and Embiid. You got to be able to figure out something. Hopefully. Yeah, man. It's just therapeutic for me a little bit. I'm still yeah. in a bad mood, but I mean, By the way, a lot out there. For the listeners, if you enjoyed the bonus deuce, let us know. Leave us a comment or tweet us at NBA Morning Deuce on Twitter. Let us know if you, A, if you liked it, and B, what do you want the next bonus deuce to be? Uh, just to be clear, this was a bonus deuce, not an emergency deuce. We're going to have an emergency deuce at some point. I'm well, the sure. problem is this is not an emergency deuce, but like an emergency deuce would be if Brett Brown gets fired and we just basically right. went through everything. So, yeah. So, yeah, we wouldn't do many bonus deuces with this kind of topic, but it's just because we came off of a weekend where there was so much to talk about and we couldn't get all the Sixers stuff in our in our regular episode. So we gave a we wanted to do a bonus deuce especially because it's alex and it's the sixers and not every team that gets eliminated is going to be as much of a mess as the sixers so we wouldn't do it for every team but this one in particular is very interesting and we wanted to get our thoughts out so let us know what you thought i mean um it doesn't have to be evaluating a team it could be anything what do you want to hear a bonus deuce on or do you want to hear more bonus deuces let us know (laughs) all right we'll uh we'll see you tomorrow take care